oh, this isn't actual hopelessness. This is just old pain that needs to be healed in order for me to move towards the vision that I am here to fulfill, the vision that I'm co-creating with God. Your dreams will always require your healing, and you need to know that in order to move forward. If you feel stuck in your creativity, your art, your business, or your life, then it's essential to understand that you are being asked to heal what's in the way of you creating what you dream about. This podcast is all about the relationship between your emotional health and your creativity. I'm Courtney Lancaster, and this is the Heal Create Podcast. Hey everyone. I am just sitting here going through some of my yearly playlists. If you guys know um, or if you follow me on Instagram, you know that every year I make a playlist for that year and I title it however old I am. So since I think for the last eight years, I have made a playlist. And these songs are the ones that I collect on this particular playlist are kind of more soundtracking my year and I'll know to add a song when I feel like I have a powerful moment while I'm listening to it. All of my musician, artists, creative friends know what I'm talking about. Where you just get some clarity for your life or you feel really inspired or a song comes on that just feels like it's telling your story as you're living it and you're like, you feel so seen and heard. And so I was looking through um, some of my old playlists from a few, quite a few years back because those were some of my hardest, darkest years. Um, my early 30s were really, really dark. I'm 40 now. And my early 30s were so much about healing, uh, understanding what was going on with me, anxiety, panic, depression, uh, understanding God and my relationship to religion and there was just a lot of of fear and bitterness and anger and I'm a naturally pretty buoyant person my friends would would tell you I get um compared to the character Poppy from Trolls a lot because I do I do believe that we are powerful people and that we can change our narrative and we can move through things and I also remember a time when hopelessness was so strong and a lot of the songs that I collected from those years, I was just listening back, are very – a lot about, you know, moving forward, a lot about perseverance and – or actually a lot about being rescued, like a lot of, you know, worship songs about a savior and being rescued and just a lot of stories and narratives that had to do with, like, the possibility of moving through the darkness. And so many of the songs that I collect now are, like – really vibrant pop songs. I do love my deep, dark side, but you find that you don't stay there as long. The more regulated that you are, that's what I found, and that there's just as much space for bright love songs. And But back then, hopelessness was something I really had to navigate, and that is the topic of this podcast episode. I'm going to be talking to you guys about hopelessness, about what's actually happening in your body when you feel hopeless and about what to do with hopelessness, how to move through it. And the first thing that I want you to really understand if you are experiencing any kind of hopelessness 
is that um, hopelessness is actually a state of being. And what I mean by that is that if you understand your nervous system, then you know that there are three different states that we can be in. Well, there's technically six, but three main states that we can be in. And we have our ventral state, which means your body doesn't feel any threat. It feels totally safe to be your authentic self. We have our sympathetic state, which is our state of anxiety and mobility technically, but it's a lot of energy, a lot of racing thoughts, and a pretty severe game of whack-a-mole when it comes to problem solving. Like You think you're solving problems, but you're actually just um, (laughs) concluding one and then another one comes up in your brain. There's just a million unsolvable problems and you perseverate maybe on one, you know, for people that are more prone to like an OCD. Um, I definitely have had those seasons. You kind of circle around and around and around all healable. The last state that you go in is your dorsal state. And that means that your body is sensing so much threat or has so much unresolved threat that it's carrying that it basically says, let's shut this person down. It's not safe. You're not going to overcome this threat or this fear. So let's just completely numb you out, shut you down. It is not safe to hope in this state. This is where hopelessness comes from. So your dorsal state is your state of immobility. Shut down. This is where depression is. It's anywhere from like apathy, restlessness, uninspired, all the way down to like despair, disassociation, and disconnection. And when you're in this state, it's kind of like, imagine you think that you hear a predator and you're walking through the woods, let's say. If you think you hear a predator, you're going to be like on alert instantly in your sympathetic state. You're going to be like looking for things to solve, looking for like, do I, can I run away from this predator? Is, is there really somebody here? Some, something that's trying to eat me? Do I have something around me that I could use to fight this predator? What could I do? And that would be you in your sympathetic state. Basically, your body's saying, oh, like let's zero in on this one potential life-threatening thing and let's help you figure out a way to either fight or flee from this predator. That's what anxiety is. That's what being in your sympathetic state is. And the reason why it's so maddening for so many people is because something like 97% of what we're afraid of in the Western world never actually happens. Meaning in our Western culture, we aren't often out in the woods with potential predators stalking us, uh, not like our ancestors were or not like some parts of the country. We actually, a lot of the things that we're afraid of don't actually happen. But because of our access to news media and because we are, we've got our eyes on so many different tribes, so to speak, across the world, and we hear the worst news because that's, you know, the, the news that is out there, combined with having unresolved trauma, which will just keep sending these subtle signs of danger, danger, danger that collect and get bigger over time. Well, then that just puts our body in a state of thinking that it's actually being chased by a predator. When in reality, it's just your nervous system not feeling safe for whatever reason. Um, So let's imagine now that the lion is now circling you. The lion is circling you and (laughs) you are Uh, you cannot fight, you cannot flee. Well, what your brilliant body will do is it will say, okay, don't worry. What we're going to do is completely shut you down because first of all, lions, predators don't like dead prey. So maybe they'll pass you by if we can make it look like you're dead. 
This is what numbness, dissociation, lack of energy is. And second of all, if the lion does eat you, you'll be so numbed out that you won't feel it. So we're just going to completely drain you and shut you down, which ironically, it takes more energy to be depressed than it does to be anxious. That's why we sleep all the time. But basically, hopelessness lives here. So in anxiety, in your sympathetic state, you are going to have a lot of really quick, fast thoughts, like a fast-talking lawyer. You're going to be navigating a brain that is constantly trying to make sense of anything that might get you or anything that might make you afraid or be a threat to your livelihood, your relationship, your well-being. It's just constantly assessing for threat. That's that's you in your sympathetic state. And in your dorsal state, we're not going to have fast thoughts. We're not going to be constantly trying to solve something. Our thoughts are going to be a lot slower. They're going to be a lot lower in register as if it was like a human person that was talking in a really hopeless voice. And they're going to sound something like, what's the point? It's never going to happen. It's hopeless. This is actually just your brain trying to make sense of how your body is shutting down. And your body, because it thinks that you need to shut down for your survival, is just going to send all these hopeless thoughts to your brain to keep you from being big and expanded and stepping into your creativity or stepping into courage to heal, you know, trauma. Like it's just going to be like, it's not safe. We just got to completely shut you down. And that is actually a body that's working brilliantly because the thing is, is if you were actually being chased by a lion lion and you were like, you know what? I'm just going to choose hope today. I am just going to be grateful and praise the Lord. And it's just, you know what? It's going to be a good day. Let's count our blessings. That would be a, a body that's broken. That would be a brain and a body that's that's broken. Not helpful. Not at all a protective nervous system, which is the nervous system that you have. Anyone that struggles with anxiety and depression is actually living in a very uh, brilliant self-protective system. And there's nothing wrong with that, except that it does keep us from enjoying our life, which everyone has the right to do. Um, It can also, when we're in our dorsal state, make us think that we are stuck, that we are helpless, that we don't have what it takes to get out of those places, and it can feel very dark. And that's because, again, your body is trying to keep you there. That's why you're getting those thoughts. It's not because there's something wrong with you. It's not because there's darkness in you. It's not because you know, there's something trying to get you. It's because your body is sensing threat and it's trying to keep you safe. And that's where the hopelessness comes from. So I want to talk about what to do physically for hopelessness. So because hopelessness lives in the dorsal state, that means that your body is in a sort of depressed, shut down, numbed out state, and you are um, connecting to a childhood understanding of helplessness and hopelessness because children actually are helpless. We are dependent on our parents for our well-being or our caregivers or adults in our tribe. We are we actually do need people to make things happen. Um so anytime you notice helplessness or hopelessness, you're going to immediately know that there is we got a younger part of you talking that needs some connection and love and understanding. But physically, what I want you to think about is that if you are in that state, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, maybe you didn't have thoughts of hopelessness, but maybe you just woke up 
feeling like I can't get out of bed. I don't, there's nothing, you know, nothing good happening in my life. Like this, I just have no energy. Well, you can work with that state. You can actually go up your ladder, up towards ventral, up back towards hope and authenticity and momentum and connection. You can do all of those things. And so what I would encourage you to do is if you can, go for a walk. That's probably one of the best ways to get out of a dorsal state is to move your body. I just said this to somebody the other day. She's like, I just have these tormenting thoughts. I feel like I'm being tormented. And I said, torment equals move your body always. Because if you're being tormented, most of the time if somebody's being tormented, they're actually sitting a lot, they're thinking, they're journaling, they're trying to sleep and they can't. Like that's where torment thoughts, tormenting thoughts happen because your body's trying to like get you to get up. (laughs) It's like, this is dangerous. You're not okay. What walking does is it shows yourself, see, I'm okay. I can move along the sidewalk. I'm noticing things. There's so many benefits that I won't go over and actually don't even know all of them of walking, just taking a walk when you feel that hopelessness. Noticing it, remembering these thoughts are not mine. They're not coming from me. Uh, This is just a state. My body feels really scared. How can I help it feel safer? Walking. One of the best reasons to walk is for bilateral stimulation, which when you're, if you've ever done EMDR, you know that you're looking at usually their finger or pen or something as they move it back and forth in front of your eyes as you're talking about a certain event. That helps you reprocess that event in your brain so that you can um, move towards safety and it takes some of the charge out of the trigger. Well, walking does the same thing because you're scanning the sidewalk in front of you. You're scanning the sidewalk back and forth and that helps you reprocess um, hard things or painful things. Another thing that you can do is just gentle stretching, um, making something with your hands. So painting, baking, doing something with your hands helps teach your body that it's safe to be in the present moment. It also quiets the thoughts, which also sends cues of safety to your body. Um, watching something funny is really helpful. There's, I I don't know. Oh, I think it was Katie Nickerson. I don't know if you've listened to the episode that I did with her in the first season. But she is an incredible resource for understanding brain retraining and how to retrain your brain for safety. And she told me about how she will have a separate file on her Instagram account purely for collecting videos that regulate her nervous system. And that's genius because so many times since she told me to do that on days when I noticed myself in dorsal or in sympathetic, I would go to my regulating file on my Instagram and I would just watch only a collection of like the sweetest, (laughs) funniest, most inspiring, you know, collection of stories. And it really helps. So that's another thing that you can do. Um, or even Googling like your favorite comedian and just watching a couple of clips. Talking to a friend that isn't scared of your, you know, dysregulation, because that's all that it is. It's just dysregulation, just self-protection, can also be incredibly supportive and helpful too. Once you're able to kind of move towards or help your body move out of this state a little bit, see if you notice anything shifting. Do I feel a tiny bit better, 5%? It's okay if not. We'll just keep showing up for ourselves every day, right? But if you can... 
then there is inner child work that I think is really important, but sometimes needs support in order to do. And inner child work would just look like asking yourself, when do I remember or do I remember feeling this way at a certain point in my past, usually in your zero to 12 programming? This feeling of hopelessness, of no one's helping me, of it's never going to happen for me, of I'm never going to be okay, I'm never going to have enough money, or I'm never going to get well, whatever it is. Do I remember feeling this feeling in my body at any time when I was younger? And just letting yourself, letting your subconscious kind of bring up any memory that you can think of um, or any old feelings that come up and being with that for a little bit. So I would say either being with that in session with a you know coach, counselor, therapist, or putting a timer on and just letting yourself remember and feel those feelings in a way that and you know unless it feels overwhelming, but in a way that you can bring compassion and curiosity. And we want to remember that this is an old story that it's not true now, but that it lives in your you know your body. This is something that you're we could say your inner child is kind of remembering. Or it's just coming up in your um, coming up to be healed, coming up to release, and that is how we resolve trauma over time. Is we're able to be with these parts of us. When you're able to be with these parts of you for a little bit, then we want to come and connect to our um, power. Or I would say you could probably connect to your authentic, you know, creative power before you do inner child work too. It's really important to – not just really important. I just can't emphasize enough. It's essential. It's imperative. It's the foundation of healing. You've – we got to connect to our creative power. We are the – we are so powerful to change our stories and change our lives. Something I tell my clients is that when they're really in a low moment. And it can feel really low either because there's something present day that just is bringing up so many triggers or because you're intentionally on a healing journey and you are allowing hard things to come up. When things feel overwhelming, it's natural for the body to just go into dorsal and be like, I can't, it's too dangerous because it doesn't feel safe to hope. But that is an illusion. We know even from Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, it's always safe to hope. And the thing about hope is if you know you're if you know that you know that you'll be okay no matter what it's safe to hope and your soul is uh, untouchable who you truly are can never be hurt and has never been hurt and connecting with that part of you and just from that part of you deciding okay who do i want to be where am i going it would be a really good time to ask yourself reconnect to like what your vision is for your life. What are 10 things I want to say are true 10 10 years from now about my life? It's really important to connect to your vision because it gives a lot of purpose to the pain that you're experiencing and the hopelessness that you're experiencing. Like, oh, this is an actual hopelessness. This is just old pain that needs to be healed in order for me to move towards the vision that I am here to fulfill, the vision that I'm co-creating with God. It's so it's so important to connect to that vision. Every single day it's important. It really does give you momentum and capacity and clarity on all the really like the moments of suffering that you experience on the way there. One trick that I heard somebody um, say was whenever they're in those really sticky moments of hopelessness, they will imat- they'll like pan back on their lives. And imagine that they are the author of their story 
and they'll say, what, if anything, what is something that I would love for this character to do from this point? What would I love to see this character experience from this point forward? Another way is like if I was narrating, I've heard Bob Goff say this too. If I was narrating my life, it would probably sound something like, Courtney found herself in a really dark place, but she knew that she was on her way to healing, growth, love, transformation, and she had no idea or or she had only hoped for what was actually going to happen, which was she was going to overcome. She was going to see the other side of this and then tell people how to get through it. If I was the narrator for my life, how would I narrate this exact moment? Um to imagine moving through it if I was writing it. And lastly, the thing that I say to all of my clients, because it's absolutely, it was something that I realized was I don't know any powerful person that doesn't have a chapter just like this. I do not know any person that I look up to that hasn't said, you wouldn't believe what I had to go through to get here. And it was worth it and I did it and you can do it too. That is not denying the thoughts or feelings of hopelessness or pretending that you don't have them. That's just noticing that they're there and then telling yourself a new story because this is the truth. If your state creates your story, then you need to know that those thoughts of hopelessness are not ever true and they are not coming from you. They're just your brain trying to make sense of what's happening in your body. So I just encourage you with my story, which was so much darkness filled with so much disempowerment. I just didn't think I could do anything. I was waiting on somebody to choose me, pick me, heal me, rescue me over and over and over again. And no one's coming, but that's not a bad thing because God lives in you and every part of you is just reaching forward towards your authentic self to to move you through this and you will. So connect to your vision and take the next right step forward. Hope that you guys have such a wonderful day and I wish you deep healing and happy creating. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Heal Create podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast at all, we would love if you would subscribe, rate it, send it to your friends. That would really help us get this message out, this message of empowering people towards emotionally sustainable creativity. Also, we have a PDF for you. So there's an exercise that I created called Inspiration Mirroring. And basically, it is for those that are looking to get acquainted with their authentic, truest self, based on the idea that whatever inspires you embodies your potential. And so if you want to get started on that journey today of really understanding who you are at your core, the person that you hope you are, then you can go to the link in my bio on Instagram or go to my website and download that PDF. I think that's all. Have a beautiful day.